Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Speed Force Media. My name is Eleanor. And I'm Derek. And today we have something a little special planned for you. But before we get into that, if you guys like movies, TV shows, any other form of media, please consider subscribing to the channel. Leave this video a like. Also leave us a comment as it does really help us out. Thank you guys so much. And without any further ado, let's get into the real meat and potatoes of this. We went recently to go see the third Ant-Man movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Saturday and, night. And we're going to give you guys our honest, unfiltered spoiler review. So if you haven't seen the movie, there are spoilers in this. I know it's probably splashed all over the thumbnail, all over the title, but I just have to give you, I have to give you the warning. Just there for are our spoilers. podcast listeners, too. Exactly. We have major spoilers. So if you haven't watched the movie, go watch it, then come back to this. So we're going to start out with our major things that are positive that we really liked about the movie. Derek, do you have anything overall that you would say you really liked? Well, I'd like to say, first off, I am a big fan of both of the first two Ant-Man movies, which I know they're not for everybody. Uh, they're certainly, you know, lower stakes, uh, maybe more kid-friendly, especially with the relationship between Scott and Cassie. But... I myself dug them because they were kind of heist movies, and I really dug the humor in those movies as well, especially with Michael Pena, and I would say that those films overall really worked for me, uh, Ant-Man and then Ant-Man and the Wasp. Not my top 10 MCU movies, but certainly movies I give two thumbs way up. Super fun. This one, if we're just talking positives here, and I'm going to try and do my best to stay positive first. <laughs> oh, no. But so Scott Lang, played by Paul Rudd again, obviously does a tremendous job. I don't think he necessarily had an amazing arc necessarily, but he still brought all of the great charm and humor that we've come to know and love from him throughout the MCU. And it was a great start to MCU phase five. Um, despite my negative feelings toward this movie, I like that he was the one that got to start this phase off. And I hope we get to see him more in the leading role in further MCU movies or maybe Avengers movies down the road. Because I, th I think he could carry the role. I think he can carry the team. And so I really dug that. Everybody's going to be saying the same thing, whether you like or dislike the movie. Jonathan Majors, King the Conqueror. He's everything that you've heard, basically. I mean, he's not Heath Ledger's Joker for me. I didn't think he necessarily broke the mold of what it meant to be a Marvel villain or even a comic book villain or a movie villain. But that being said, he tr he seriously, seriously did deliver a a great performance. And it shouldn't be understated that it was a great performance. And the story that they had with Kang the Conqueror, I really uh, bought into and was really invested in. So the ending with him, and you know, we're not going to get into that at, right now, but left me a little disappointed because I hope we get to see this particular version of Kang the Conqueror in the future. The supporting cast was great as always. I didn't have a problem with the new Cassie. Um, I know certainly some other people did, and I'm not sure. I didn't look into all of the details as to why there's a recasting. Uh, but I thought she was good. Um, I didn't love her, but 
you know, she, it was a good introduction for her. And even though we already knew her, of course, but everybody else, I thought, did a great job. The one that kind of stole the show was Michelle Pfeiffer. Definitely. I think she really had a great story. And the connection with her and Kang um, was what not only bought my uh, fear of Kang or the, the tension that came along whenever Kang came into a room was based off of Michelle Pfeiffer's acting. And she really sold the fear of Kang. And now that makes you question why she wouldn't have brought Kang up before, certainly. There are a little bit of plot holes here and there. But other than that, just regarding her performance, I thought was really great. Uh, the visuals, I didn't ha necessarily have a problem with. Some of it was on the volume, or a lot of it was, apparently. And I didn't think it... The visuals didn't blow me away. For anyone who doesn't know, volume is like a soundstage type thing that has like a CGI screen and then they put like rocks and sand and stuff on the floor. So it looks like they're standing there, but if you look in the background, it looks a little less detailed. Right, and it, it, exactly, it looks a little less detailed. I thought the Quantum Realm looked a little bit better in previous films for sure. And that's kind of getting into a little bit negative. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to be positive here. Gosh, Derek, uh, you're the breaking music, the rules. I thought the music was interesting. Um, some of the soundtrack I thought was a little wonky or a little weird at times, but certainly whenever Kang was in the room, the music made you feel like Kang was in your room. And it wasn't anything that I'm going to you know, go and download on my phone and just repeat or listen to in the shower in the mornings, getting ready to work so, so I can be inspired for my day. But it was a good soundtrack. And everything else is kind of meh for me or borderline to negative. And I'm sure more positives will come to me later in our kind of just open discussion. But Eleanor, what are some of your bigger positives? The So for me, I don't know if people... Like, if you've listened to the channel for a while, you might know that Marvel humor does not land for me most of the time. And I think a lot of the time it's misplaced. But I felt like in this movie particularly, the humor had me smiling a lot. And I felt really positive toward it. Especially, like, the funniest thing for me was, like, Paul Rudd walking down the street. And everyone's recognizing him and smiling. And it just seemed like a regular ass celebrity and I thought that was the funniest thing, him reading out of his book or listening to his book in the car and cranking it up. Like, I loved the that, dad that humor. That stuff was great. The yes. dad humor was so good in this. I also really loved Veb, that little ball of goo. Yes. And he was like, do you need more goop? And he's like, <laughs> I have holes. Those, oh my God. All of that was just destroying me. I thought that was funny. I, I was like, okay, I'm sold. I like I like these new characters. And I did think like... The Quantum Realm people, it kind of felt Star Wars-y for me, and that's not a bad thing, because for me, the Quantum Realm felt like another place out of space. So, you know, like, having these, there's humans, there's different creatures, all sorts of people intermingling and speaking different languages to one another, and having almost like a cantina vibe at that bar they were yeah. at, really felt Star Wars-y in all the right places, if that makes sense. Like... Not so Star Wars-y that it felt out of place, but just Star Wars-y enough that it made you believe that it was kind of mystic. And so I really enjoyed that. 
And I also thought, like, most of the side characters felt really well-placed. It didn't feel like there was a bunch of people being shoved in my face. I think there was only a couple of times where I was like, okay, but can we get back to the main story? And it was kind of like when the family was split up and we were going back and forth. I think it's just because I would get so hooked on where we were at, then we'd move back to, like, for example... We're with Janet and Hank and Hope in the bar, and they're talking to Lord Kryler, and I was all of a sudden really invested in that storyline. And then we jump back to Scott and Cassie, and I'm like, wait, but I'm invested in this other storyline. Then I'd start getting invested in what Scott and Cassie are doing, and then we'd jump again. So I think that's only that's my only critique, really, with the side characters. And I think it's kind of a positive, because it means I was invested in both stories so much that I just wanted to watch what was happening. I can't say enough good things about Kang. I really did think he was, for an MCU villain, a really good one. He didn't feel like, I'm bad because bad and here's Skybeam. So that was really refreshing. It felt like he actually had real motivations and was a real villain with real problems. He reminded me a lot of, like, kind of dark side in a way. And also... Thanos? Yes, Thanos. I'm, like, looking at Derek, like, like how do I forget? Like, big, bad type yes. energy. yes. I'm like, he really does have that vibe, and he brings that vibe in. And I, it did kind of suck when his, that version of Kang died, but I don't think that's the last we see of him. I don't Interesting. think so. That's my personal take on it, is I don't think that's the last we see of this Kang. I think that is the Kang that they're going for, and I hope that that's the Kang they stick with, because I really enjoyed this version. I don't know, but we'll we'll get into that. Right. Um, I did think, like, I didn't really have any problems with Cassie so much. Um, I didn't even notice that she had been recast, honestly. So I was, like, I was pretty happy with the character. I was happy with Scott Lang's performance. Of course, Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, you know, the guy who plays Hank Pym, Mr. Michael Douglas, also was amazing. So I was really happy with everyone pretty much on board i thought they were great when i saw bill murray i just looked at derek in the theater i'm like is that freaking bill murray he's like yeah that's bill murray (laughs) and i'm surprised you didn't know he was in the movie no i didn't because i was like the only knowledge i had going into this movie was the trailers and he wasn't in the trailers yeah he was he was i didn't even see him (laughs) i swear he was if if not that was then maybe i just read something or i don't know but i was really excited like Seeing all this kind of outer space was like it felt big to me, and like the stakes actually felt pretty high for an Ant Man movie because the first two Ant Man movies I liked them but didn't love them. Right, I'm kind of in the minority there. Is I really loved Michael Pena and I liked the family aspect and some of that, but not all the humor landed for me the entire time, and the heist feel wasn't necessarily always for me, though I do like heist movies. So it was refreshing to see Ant-Man take something so huge on. And I do have to disagree with you. I do think there was some growth with Scott Lang here. He realized not only were his priorities, you know, his daughter, but in the beginning of the movie, he was like, I'm not going to help these people. It's not my circus, not my monkeys. But by the end of the movie, he was like, these are my circus. This is my circus. These are my monkeys. And he really jumped in and did the right thing. So I appreciated that from him. And, you know, I really think going forward that i think we're gonna see more ant-man i do more ant-man solo movies maybe but i really think that the ant-man cast 
and Ant-Man itself are going to be a big part of the Avengers moving forward. So I could see that happening. I could too, yeah, because it's a great cast. Right. It's a great cast. All right. We've given you our positives. Now we're going to be a little salty here for a minute. We're going to get into some of our negatives. So I'm going to go first because my list is a little shorter than Derek's, I would say. My biggest complaint about this movie, honestly, is just that, first of all, our theater experience was horrendous. There was somebody talking the entire time, and I almost killed him. But it was also just the fact that at some points in the movie, although the pacing was perfect, I also felt kind of, like, confused at times. Like, where are we going? Right. Like, okay, this is a lot of stuff happening, and it's mostly because of the switching back and forth. So although that is a positive because I was invested in both stories, it was also kind of confusing going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And also, there are minor plot holes. I don't think they're as huge as everyone is making them seem like. It's not, like, big enough to fit a baseball stadium through. But there is some plot holes. And I think the time... The time jumping that you usually see in the Ant-Man Quantumania world is like an hour there. Is it a in full year? Realm. Yeah, it's a full year. And they were gone for quite a while in the quantum realm in this movie. But then when they returned, it seemed like they were at the exact same time right after they left. So right. I think I'm that's not a, sure if they explained that in a previous movie. And I don't maybe think they just... did. I think it was just kind of like time because time in this one. And so it kind of felt confusing. And also the timeline thing that they were talking about, timelines being destroyed. They didn't really explain that because in either Infinity War or Endgame, they were explaining how the timelines work in the MCU and that it would just kind of shift off another timeline. And then they did something different Loki where it was like they had the... Um, time people, I don't remember. Time variance authority. Yes, that they would go back and like blow up timelines. So I'm not sure, I don't even think the MCU really knows what the MCU's time travel is like. I think it is kind of Doctor Who-ish where it's just a big ball of timey-wimey stuff. But at this point, I feel like that was the biggest plot hole. Other than that, I feel like it was pretty solid. Like, plot hole-wise, the only other thing is, like, what you mentioned with Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, if this is such a huge problem, why didn't you mention it earlier? Right. And there are other things like that, I'm sure. But I think it's also just kind of... You can explain it away with, like, well, if it's trauma, sometimes you don't want to face that trauma. And I think they made that pretty well known in the beginning when Hope would ask her what happened. And she's like, I don't want... I live here now. I don't want to live there again. Right. So I think they explained that out pretty good. But I do think, you know, you can still question it and it's fair to ask these questions. Yeah, you could still say, hey, why why don't you just say, don't ever send a signal to the quantum realm? That's all you have to say. Right. 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 And there's other little things like that in there throughout this movie, I think. I also think MODOK was ridiculous. Although I did th- <laughs> find him funny at times. I just thought, like, ridiculous I was expecting, like, he looked like a goddamn minion, and I was expecting something actually scary, but it was just a giant-ass bouncy ball head with little arms and little legs on it, and I'm just like, this is just ridiculous. Like, you don't need him in this movie at all. You could have something serious like a Boba Fett or a bounty hunter actually hunting these people. Like, when they said, oh, they sent out the hunter, I'm like, ooh, it's gonna be something cool. And I was like, oh, wait. I've heard people complain about MODOK, whatever the hell that is in this movie. And then when we saw MODOK, I'm like, that's ridiculous. (laughs) 
Like, that's just dumb. I didn't like it. <laughs> it was awful. I mean, I'm neither one of us are... The CGI looked really the worst on him, too. So it was just like... I would agree. Not a fan. I would agree. I, th- I think it's safe to say that both of us are... We lean a little bit more on the DC side when it comes to at least knowledge. Says the and, one wearing a Batman shirt. And, you know, I think that... Modoc is a character I wasn't really ever familiar with. Until Same here. I, I mean, maybe I've heard his name a couple of times. So I apologize, Modoc fans, if we're not giving you proper respect. If that was a proper interpretation of Modoc and the version of the character that you wanted to see, then I'm really, I'm, I am honestly glad that you got that experience because you know who knows if we're ever going to get it again. Because obviously, Darren Cross died and. Maybe that opens the door for other versions of MODOK to appear down the road. But MODOK was definitely one of the bigger ones, bigger flaws in the movie for me. One that stood out every single time that, that almost every time MODOK appeared in the movie, it took me out. And I was just left wondering, like, what the hell am I looking at? Because something about, like you said, the CGI of his face. You and I just, just looked at each other so multiple times. Off. Like, what the fuck are we looking just, at? Just something about it just was, I just couldn't ever adjust once I saw his face. It just almost looked unfocused or something. I don't I don't know what it was. And not to mention, I know you you were a big fan of the dick joke. And I, I, I smirked at it. I laughed at it too. I'm not going to lie. Um, that it's it's never too late to stop being a dick. Yeah, and then when he came back and he's like, "I am not a dick." Like I thought that <laughs> like, was great. <laughs> yeah, I thought that part was all right. But then you know, and when he was dying, I honestly thought like when he starts like coughing up and puking, and he's like, "Oh, I'm an Avenger now" or whatever. I thought that was pretty good. Right. But everything else leading I up to that, I just felt like he was a was laughing like, joke. Was though. just a whoopee cushion. He was just yeah. a whoopee cushion with a face. And I just was like, okay, I mean, that's our comedic relief, but I felt like every other character was also comedic relief. Right. And, you know, there was nothing... We didn't get any scenes of Ant-Man running in a bathtub like we did in the first film, where we see something that we see every day, but from the perspective of an ant. Not to mention, there was also a serious lack of ants in this movie. Until, until you get to the end, and the, the very, ants are very amazing. end, and that is perfect segue to my next flaw, which you introduce Kang the Conqueror, and everybody, all the big critics, all the big reviewers, said that Kang the Conqueror was the next Darth Vader, and. I'm sorry, he got carried away by some ants and killed off screen. Are you kidding me? The post credit scene said with, with you had the whole King Dynasty and all the different variants and the hundreds of Kangs in the crowd or thousands probably. And we had the three main Kings, I guess, said, oh, the exiled one died. Are you sure? Well, we wouldn't be talking if, uh, if I wasn't sure. Yeah. So that I felt like was hitting the nail over the head. Like, yeah, that guy, he's gone. We ain't seeing him again, which I'd be really shocked. But at the same time, I, I, I guess I would just be disappointed because I yeah. really dug Kang the Conqueror. I really dug Jonathan Major's version of Kang. And I, although I liked He Who Remains, and I thought these three versions that we saw at the end was interesting. They looked interesting. And who knows? Maybe they're way more powerful. 
Right. That wouldn't necessarily explain why they had to exile this version. But right. everybody's saying the same thing, so I'm gonna and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it because it's also a worry of mine. I really hope that every time we see Jonathan Majors, it's not like Tom Cavanaugh on The Flash, where every single year Although I love it on The Flash because we get 23 episodes of a different version of Harrison Wells, right? And the next year, that Harrison Wells goes away, and we get a new variant of Harrison Wells. But it Wells. works for a TV it show. It works for a TV show because you're getting 23 hours or whatever it is, 18 hours. Right. But with a film, you're only getting like two hours. You get introduced. Uh, they you know, become scary, and then they die, and then you move on to the next I really hope... I mean, we've only got one movie that, that that's been the case. So who knows what they have planned. But I was disappointed that Kang went out that way. It is also in the Marvel Universe, though. So who knows if he had, like, permadeath, you know? Right. They're, they're very infamous for their fake deaths. And yes. if this one was a case of fake death because it was off screen, then that would I would come back to this review and remove this entire uh, segment or this entire ramble because then it would be like a fake death that I would actually be okay with. Kind of like Loki at the end of, well, pretty much every fake death for Loki, I'm honestly okay with. But that being said, other than that, I, I disagreed with you on the stakes of this movie. I felt like there was no stakes unless Kang was beating up Ant-Man. Anytime Kang was beating up Ant-Man, I was like, okay, hey, this could be it. I mean, Paul Rudd is getting older. We don't know how many more times we're going to see Ant-Man. I mean, they've said they were working on Ant-Man 4, but who knows, especially with the box office or what their plans are for Ant-Man in Secret Invasion, Kang Dynasty. Hopefully he's front and center or at least one of them. But you never know. It would be a good ending to that trilogy and to that movie if you actually had Kang kill Ant-Man. And if we hadn't seen that ending scene in the trailer, I feel like that scene would have been even more impactful. But because we saw it in the trailer where he's saying, you know, I don't have to win. We both just have to lose or whatever. It's the best line of the movie and you put it in the trailer. And right. I felt like part many times throughout the movie, I was kind of just waiting to get to that moment because I knew it was going to be the best moment of the movie. And although the humor, only a couple of times, honestly, in this movie, only a couple of times like I, did I feel like it was misplaced, where even in the first Avengers movie, a movie I love, I feel like there's a couple of times where the humor is misplaced. And there's a bunch of that in other Marvel movies, at least in my opinion. But whether it was misplaced or not does not change whether or not it made me laugh or not. And honestly, this movie didn't make me laugh that many times. Made me smile a bunch, which is important. That if you're making me smile and not shake my head. Made me chuckle a good amount of times, but didn't really make me laugh all that much. So the humor wasn't necessarily a problem. But I would say, at the end of the day, I didn't ever feel like anybody was ever in danger. And at the end of the day, nobody was, other than Kang, the villain we heard all the talk about in the world. And I think he was great. He does deserve all the talks, but that was a big bummer. Kang, 
the stakes in the movie felt like, okay, we're going to a universe, a part in the MCU that we have never gone to before. Well, we've gone to, but never to this degree. And it felt a little underwhelming because what we had experienced in the quantum realm in previous movies felt so mysterious, felt so scientific in a way, felt very sci-fi. And although this movie does feel very sci-fi, which is why it still works for me, it wasn't as sci-fi as I was hoping, as it was at times just a little too just crazy. But it wasn't crazy like Thor Love and Thunder. It wasn't, and I still don't think that it is the worst MCU movie. Do you think that it's the worst MCU movie? I mean, you like it, obviously, a lot more than I do. No, I don't think it's the worst MCU movie Do you think it's mid-tier? I think it's better than Phase 4, definitely. I would definitely place it above Phase 4. It's definitely not in the first three phases as in terms of quality. But I would say... Well, define Phase 4, like, better than Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, probably not, but definitely better than, like, Black Widow or um, Thor Love and Thunder or, for me, WandaVision, you know. I like it better than Moon Knight. Yeah, better than Hawkeye. Like, I definitely liked it more than that. Like, I think it was enjoyable, and I just didn't see a lot of flaws with it, so I can't say I didn't like it because even if I didn't love it, I really liked it, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's totally fair. That's, that's a great I really point. enjoyed it. And um, I don't think, like, the plot holes didn't really bother me that much. Like, Right. And for me, it's like, for an MCU movie, it felt like it worked in the universe, and it felt like it worked for me. I'd say the biggest disappointment, you know, yeah, definitely you're right, is King dying. Definitely a big one, because they really made his story so interesting, and they gave him so much depth. And I don't want to see that depth wasted. So I'm just hoping that he's not actually dead and this is a fake one. And if it is a fake death, then yeah, we'll have to post a part two to this review or something. And there are other flaws and other things that we like as well that we haven't gone into. I mean, like, I think uh, Hope should have gotten a little more screen time in this movie and maybe you could have taken out the Bill Murray stuff and just replaced it with more scenes for Hope or maybe a better arc for her. Especially because it was called Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Wasp wasn't in it as much. Not as much as, well, I mean, what is, oh gosh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Janet? Janet. She was the original Wasp, right? I think so. Was her character... I mean, she had a suit, but... She did have a suit. Was her character called the Wasp? I don't remember if she was or not. I mean, I don't know if that's... Probably not uh, anything to think too hard about, but... It's still, like... I I do wish there was more time with the Wasp, but the time that she was there was impactful, and I think that... And she saved They used Yeah, they used her time wisely. I really loved when he went in to get that core... For the kind of time machine, I guess you'd call it. Um, and they had the piles of Ant-Men, especially because there was one Baskin-Robbins, Scott Lang, in there. Oh, that, that, that was, was great. That was so funny. That whole sequence was amazing, I thought. And I loved especially that, like, visually. The, they all united for Cassie without them saying anything. It's like, that's truly the love of a father right there. And it it really, you know, hits home. And I like that the Wasp came in and they were able to do it together. And they were able to get it. You know, they were trying to do the right thing 
I'm really glad you mentioned that because that was something that really worked for me. And it was in it at the same time, it was also something that was lacking in this film was the relationship between Scott and Cassie in the first two movies is very different than the relationship between Scott and Cassie in this movie. And in a way, it's just because she grew up and she went so many years without her father. And I really bought into all of that. I really dug that their relationship. And I think that's part of the reason why I bought into Cassie now. Right. So I'm really glad you brought that I'd up. I'd say the only thing I had a problem with her is just in the very beginning of the movie, and I don't know if it can be attributed to Cassie or not, but I felt like it was very much like um, kind of driven toward society now. And for me, I like to kind of separate real life and a movie. For me, a movie is kind of a way to go and escape. So, you know, having like peaceful protests and police and all that kind of stuff brought into it, I was like... Yes, these are important issues, but it doesn't necessarily need to be brought up in an Ant-Man movie for five seconds just to be mentioned and then never mentioned again. I, I know what you mean. I see your point. I, I kind of felt like, oh, this feels not really meta, it, not really fourth wall breaking either. It was just very kind of on the nose like, hey, yes. uh, you know, yeah, I, I could have done without it, too. It yeah. took me out of the movie. I it almost kind of feels pandering in a way to me. And I'm not yeah. really a fan of the pandering. It's like, you know what? If you have a statement to say, just, just you know, freaking come out and say it. And then let's move on. But we don't need to, like, poke around it and poke around the elephant in the room and then pander to one side or the other or neither side. I just think it was like, this is really not needed. The only consequence it had to the movie is that it was mentioned multiple times that Cassie had been in jail. And I don't even think that was like needed to be a huge part of her development either as a character. Well, sure, it made her more rebellious. And it made her want, you could tell she wanted to do the right thing. But I think there are other ways to portray that without making it political. That's just my... I totally agree with the political part. I... I I disagree with her going to jail, though. I think they were using that as a way to kind of show Scott, in the in the terms of the script anyways, show Scott like, hey, uh, you've been gone, and your kid is turning out a lot like you. Because Scott has obviously been in trouble with the law in both of the first two movies. Right. So I, I think in a lot of ways he felt, in that sense, guilty and responsible for what was going on with his daughter. I think that's fair, definitely. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I just, you know, it just made me a little uncomfortable, and it's not necessarily like... I think it's not a great thing to do for movie makers if you're going to make a movie that you want to appeal to the widest audience to isolate part of your audience or make them feel uncomfortable or, you know... Unless you really have a big statement to say, and that's a huge part of your movie, or then a go sequence, for it. like right. have have Cassie maybe like, and I'm not like angry or worked up about it. If that's the way I'm coming across, it was just like a little throwaway comment that just took me out of the movie. And it's happened in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's happened in a few other of their newer projects that just feels like very 2020 of them, you know? Yes, and. I think I'm not alone in that. Like I said, I don't have a problem with them talking about those things. It just felt 
very on the nose. And if, if they could be either more subtle or more clever, that, that's really the problem, I think. Isn't the fact that they're talking about those things, but the way that they're doing it just right. feels kind of lazy, just feels kind of thrown in there. And it, just it to, comes off just as pandering when it's like there. Exactly. Like, that. When, like when you intertwine it with the story and really make it a subtle undertone or something that seems subtle but feels big, if that makes sense, then it really hits home for the viewer. And I feel like with this, it did not hit home. It just or, felt like it felt kind of surface layer and it felt like it didn't need to be there. And it felt just like you said, a little too on the nose, a little too like, okay, just go out right and say it, <laughs> you know? Right. But it wasn't like the the biggest flaw of the movie no. by any means. No. But I it's think just a minor detail. It was a minor detail that, you, and this is a perfect example of other little flaws like this that you could have just simple fix just rewrite it a certain way rework it a little different and i don't know exactly that way i'm not a writer but i think there are different ways you could have done it better and little little things like that as well like i know you said that veb really worked for you i really liked veb a lot but i did think that some of his stuff was more of the kind of misplaced feeling like i felt like there was towards the third act once the third act began there was a shift in tone and definitely i feel like it, that's common with that, a lot of mcu movies but i felt like it was more obvious in this one like that's fair towards yeah. yes towards other marvel films once we get to the third act and the the final fight you feel like that is when things should be the highest stakes but that's usually when they'll start throwing some comedy in there some funny sequences some side characters making some jokes and if those jokes land then it's great if they don't then it kind of takes you out of the movie and i felt like there was about a 10 minute sequence where it was nothing but side characters and new characters that are quantum realm characters that I just did not care about really. And that part really bothered me. And I, I felt like, wow, even though I really liked this movie up until that point, and I think it was that final fight, the final CGI fight up until that point, I felt like I really, I, I like this movie and I don't understand why critics or some critics hate this movie, or right. why it's the second or now worst rated Rotten Tomatoes score MCU film. But once that scene started, it was like, okay, now it's kind of shifting towards a different direction that might be going towards one of my most disappointing Marvel experiences. And that's not because it was so bad. It was because I love the first two Ant-Man movies because they were so fun, because they were, no pun intended, so small. And this just felt like a another multiverse of madness in a way, another, like a, a cheaper version of Endgame. And I, I never went into this movie expecting Endgame level of emotion or scale or stakes or ramifications or anything like that. I did not for one second. I did go into it expecting bigger stakes than the first two Ant-Man movies, and I did not feel that, even though I should have. That's fair. Definitely. Yeah, 
I feel like overall my thoughts toward this movie are like if I were to give it like a score, kind of like a maybe a letter grade, like a school grade, maybe like a B or B plus. I feel like I felt pretty positive leaving the movie theater like other than the trashy movie theater experience we had with yeah. other people and that really probably dampened my feeling too because i was yeah. sitting right next to the jerk just wanted to elbow him yeah and it was just like you know what no we're gonna be nice we're gonna be mature and then you know that's where that gets us but other than that i would say i had a really positive experience with this movie i really enjoyed most of the humor and pretty much all of the things I saw from the characters and I thought the side characters were pretty lovable. So I really enjoyed it and I would like to see, you know, them continue with this kind of vibe for phase five. I'm like, maybe not exactly this, but like not everything in the quantum realm. Right. And not everything needs to feel so big, but, um, something like, I think they're on the right track. I think, they're they're building the Kang Dynasty in the right way. And so I, I have confidence that they'll continue to improve as time goes on. I think overall, it's a little bit of a bumpy start to Phase 5, but definitely not a bad one. And I would give this a positive rating. I don't know about a letter grade or a score necessarily. A lot of people would say it's kind of mid-tier Marvel, and I'd say I would probably agree with that. If there was, if there was forty projects in the in the MCU or forty movies, I'd say it's probably around maybe the twentieth, maybe twenty five, um, and that could go up or down as I rewatch the film and revisit it because I am a big fan of the Ant Man movies and I'm a I'm a sucker for comic book movies in general. But I did have a good experience watching this movie in theaters, getting the surround sound seeing it on the big screen was the best way possible and and although i do have flaws with this film it's not necessarily flaws that i haven't had before in other previous mcu films so the flaws overall weren't as scary or glaring to me or shocking because i was kind of already expecting some of the stuff that i was already seeing Overall, it's a film I like. I think a lot of people will find entertaining, but is not necessarily top 10 comic book movie worthy. Well, those are just our thoughts. Let us know what you guys think down in the comments section below, especially if you're watching it on YouTube. And if you are on YouTube, please remember to subscribe, like, leave us a comment. We love hearing from you, and it really does help us out. If you're in audio-only format, remember to leave us a five-star review and subscribe for more content as it really does help us find more people like you. That'll be it for us today, guys. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.